0: The album itself, which we're going to get into, it has a lot of gems that I feel like go a little bit underappreciated from the people.
1: This is a Culture Inject production.
2: back to part of us and invoke fan before we jump into today's episode come check us out on social media find us on facebook instagram and youtube at invoke craze and on twitter at part of us fan and also you can send us an email or record a voice message at part at gmail.com send us a message and we'll respond to it in a future episode And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please, please leave us a rating and a review. Even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, head over there and show us some love by leaving a positive rating. It helps.
1: All right, so let's catch up and talk about what's trending. Um, So Maxine had a successful love letter to Tina Turner performance in Las Vegas, where she sang many of Tina's classics along with a few new songs of her own. We'll talk about that in a moment. But um, we shared a few snippets from the concert on our Instagram page at InvoCrave. So go check those out if you haven't already. What did you guys think of the show? I thought
2: it was I thought it was cute. I thought it was really lovely. I could see the promise in it. That's what I'll say. Um, I'm an eternal optimist and I thought that she kind of did like she sounded good. I thought that I didn't know how her doing Tina was gonna translate musically, but as soon as I heard her doing Tina, I could I could see it. Like I could see it. And then like, I thought the outfits were cute. So I just I think that there's something to be worked workshopped there more to make it like a tighter, stronger situation. But from what I saw, she looked great. She looked like she was having fun too. And uh, I just wish. Like, sometimes Tina shows or, like, these legacy artists, like, tribute shows can, like, skew towards just the, like, most well-known things, and I wanted her to kind of do maybe some of the, like, you know, the lesser-known things to give us a full, well-rounded Tina Turner experience. Maybe she did, maybe I just didn't see those clips, is it a
1: Tina Turner show if you're not rolling on the river? (laughs)
2: Well, you're gonna have to do that, right? Like, you gotta do that, but, like, of a set... Are we only gonna do, like, Private Dancer? What's Love got to do with it? You know, like, or can we sneak in some, something to make it a little bit more, like, valuable for the Tina fans, and not just for, like, the, I think, Country Club folks who are there. But maybe that's that's what you
1: gotta do when you gotta perform
2: For who you got to perform for? Yeah, I
1: think I I think some of those. I think in those Vegas places, they're like, "Give us what we know." They want (laughs) to have a they want a karaoke moment, you know, the songs they can sing along to. But I wonder, can we get a full set list? Like,
2: what was the full? Right. We
0: should ask somebody because I know
2: somebody out there knows.
0: Anybody listening? If you actually paid for the streaming and watched it, how was it? How was the quality? You know how was the show let us know please and, and a listener like we would love to to hear how that experience was but continuing on with the latest Maxine updates she also recently dropped two, two new tracks on her website one called Maximizing and the other called Do you see me now which were written by Andy Waldeck, Matthew Robert Holmes and herb Middleton. Do You See Me Now has two different mixes available as well. What do you guys think of the latest tracks and which version of Do You See Me Now is your favorite? I will say that she sounds great on both songs from the snippets that I did hear, And the production value sounds good as well. I think it was her, a few months ago, she had released that that song for Pride, it was like a dance track that she performed at Pride. And we were talking about the production value of Colors of the World. We were talking about the production value of everything. Uh, but the production value on these two songs, they sound good. Uh, I actually downloaded Maximizing, um, but we'll, I'll talk about that process in a minute. What do y'all think of the songs? <laughs> I like
2: I like maximizing from what I from what I hear. It's got like a nice little groove to it. It feels very um it feels I won't say like contemporary contemporary but it feels a little bit more like it would fit into a mix of things that uh might be out now ish. Uh Do You See Me Now is very ballady and she sounds great. I just don't know that the ballad is necessarily the strongest I think it's interesting that she released two versions or two mixes each with like a different um, uh, a different person who's arranged it that's kind of cool to me actually like I love when people offer like you might not like it this way but maybe the other arrangement might be more your thing like Mm -hmm. that's a cool idea actually more people should play around with that as a model because sometimes we like a song based on the nuts and bolts but it's the production that's different or it's something that's like taking away from it so give people options but of the two maximizing is definitely like a bop
1: oh yeah i think i like them both i think she sounds good um i would like to listen more like on (laughs) on apple music once again like make it easy for me so that i can (laughs) have more to say um but from the clips that I've heard I really liked it and I hope that they consider putting it on uh, you know the more accessible streaming services
0: so to talk about the process of downloading the song so you have to go to the website and you have to choose there are two files available you can buy the mp3 for $199 or you can buy the wave file for $299 I bought the mp3 obviously download it you put in your payment information then you pay it will email you a receipt of your payment with a link to download it then it downloads and it goes to your itunes however it didn't sync to my apple music on my phone so I'm gonna try to see how I can get it on there not that that's like a I mean, it's it's, not, it's like a two minute process it's not that bad but compared to how you can just go straight to iTunes and download it or just go straight to Apple Music or Spotify or whatever and just add it to your playlist and stream it it's, it's a process that people nowadays are probably going to roll their eyes at so hopefully Maxine and her manager, I, I understand wanting to you know, have a direct to consumer type of thing and all that kind of stuff but hopefully her management can create a a more finite process to make it easier because I'm like having to click four or five links just to get a song when all I have to do is just hit one button and I have it on my on my phone to play that's not the same process and it's a process that a lot of people will probably not want to do thinking it's too complicated when it's not 'Cause essentially that's what we used to do when we would on Napster, when we were like burning CDs like you know, this is what we used to do back in the day. But, you know, nowadays we have a we have a short attention span. <laughs> yeah. So having to click multiple times and go to multiple windows to download one song, mm-hmm. it wears me out. Nah.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm like, like that yeah.
2: That's not like a value thing on Max. That's just how we do things now, right? Like everything is just If it's two clicks or more than two clicks, then like it's already taken too long, you know?
0: It also gave me the option to um, uh, download an app called Gumdrop. So I maybe think that's probably like a music app that's compatible with whatever affiliate she's using. I don't know what that is. I didn't download it. I wasn't going to either, Uh, but yeah. So either way, shout out to because We did mention like her that she's in that she's kind of back in her artist development phase like trying to find her sound trying to find what works for her so the fact that she keeps releasing music on a consistent basis you know whether it hits or not i'm like that's great and these songs are a step up from the from her last songs not that they not that they were bad um but it's just kind of great to kind of see like the the elevation the evolution of her because these songs are good um so Maxine Jones keep going auntie like you doing a damn thing and I'm proud of her
2: I just gotta we've talked about this before but like I appreciate the aesthetic she's giving us like she is giving us like flash and razzle and dazzle and thigh high boots and leotards and like she is giving us a visual Uh, so I appreciate that she's like I'm not about to like Cover up and turn into some kind of, you know, grandma figure. Like, I am going to be an artist. So, and also, if y'all want to go download it, uh, you can go to maxinejones.gumroad.com. And in addition to this, uh, being able to buy, maximizing. Do you see me now? You can also buy "Didn't I?" You can buy "Not Your Freak" there, and then also she has some merch like so you can buy some of the posters for a love letter to Tina that she signed. You can also buy a poster of the Vibe magazine photo from back in the day that she signed, um, and then I think she has some T-shirts as well. So,
0: you said so, it's called Gum Road. Yeah, the. Sure, uh, the... I said gum drop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe now you app. know I didn't love that ass. <laughs>
2: But um, I might buy this uh, vibe magazine poster because it's big. It's like it's like twenty seven by thirty two inches. It's signed and it's like forty nine bucks, and it's she'll personalize it for you, which I think is cool. And I always love this photo, the shoot that they did for vibe. It's so cool, and there's only two um, left.
0: And, ooh! Oh, the people are buying these things. Yes. How about a support? Support the diva. Um. So in in other What's Trending news, In Vogue, about maybe two weeks ago, they posted on their Instagram some unreleased steals of them back in 2018 when they were featured on the show Drop the Mic for All For One Music. Unfortunately, they said that the show did not air um, because, of course, it would be on our our YouTube page, In Vogue Craze. So it's not there. But the show did not air. But they posted some stills. And the ladies look phenomenal. <laughs> I'm talking about from the clothing, you know, like uh, Terry wearing this little this little caftan with this kimono, whatever she got on with the high ponytail. And, you know, I, 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 I've always loved Rona in this like this, this kind of short bob with the, with bangs. the bangs, honey. <laughs> It's this such is, a it's such a good look, and you know, uh, M- Mother Cindy is giving us space, 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 space. This um, is
2: my favorite hair story for In Vogue current, like the current lineup of In Vogue. I like Rona and a bob, even though I love her in the with her um with her is it she got braids right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. so I love that. But I also love Terry. The Terry with this high ponytail just always does it for me. And then Cindy, it's always the middle part. It's the middle part for me that that gets me. So they're like just different enough, but it's consistent. I love it.
0: Yeah, and and this this is one picture where uh, Terry is by herself. Mm -hmm. She's kind of tilting her head down. She just looks so adorable in like the grown and sexy type of way but I'm like look at Terry like I love it the cheekbones like the skin you know the the lashes like it's just a look I love them I love this for them it sucks it in air I will love to see it
2: speaking of which what is happening that people can see if you well you won't be able to see it by the time you listen to this but <laughs> they are currently performing at Friends and Lovers today, as we're recording in Vegas. Um, they have a set time at, like, 5 p.m. So, hopefully they kill it. I think it's a great... That's a great festival for them to be on. And I, I'm loving that the girl groups are finding their ways into festivals that skew more, like, young folks. Like, mm-hmm. Friends and Lovers, uh, in Vogue is there. SWB was at Something in the Water, which I thought was great. So, like, they're kind of, like, maybe we're seeing, like, a... Not just a love of nostalgia, but like girl groups finding their way back into sort of the mainstream conversation.
1: They will really find themselves in the conversation if they did a reality show, but <laughs> Here we go. What did, what, did Kiki, what did Kiki say?
2: Kiki said something on Legendary. She said, The storyline has run tired.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, she said, This runs stale. The storyline for me has it's run, run stale. stale. <laughs> <laughs> Just JP saying, I'm on your side I'm, I'm on saying, your side I want
1: to see the girls
0: on TV but go ahead. I will say this that looking up the the schedule so Lovers and Friends Festival has four different stages today and so looking up the schedule I don't like well I guess this happens at all festivals like people set people's sets are going to kind of run into each other but like in Vogue's set is kind of like around the same time that Chris Brown has a set and then um, Miguel has a set around the same time. Soldier Boy has a set at the same time. So I just hope that In Vogue has an audience there that wants to see them, you know, because I think, think Soldier Boy Star.
1: I think they sell enough tickets where they know, like, you're going to have to move around. You know what I mean? I think like right. the way they do it is... There's enough people there that you just not everyone is going to be able to see, you know, the main stage. Everybody. Like you're gonna to have to, yeah. you're gonna to have to move around to the other side yeah. of the park to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially if it gets super crowded, like like Coachella. Be doing, I'm like, nah, I can't be over here. So yeah, I think Soulja Boy's set is like it's like 20 minutes after uh, Invokes set starts on another stage. Miguel is like 25 minutes after. So you know, but I mean, there are options. But shout out to Invogue, I I love that they um are there, and you know, I think that's that's valid actually, JP, because like
2: it's also that this kind of festival leans just as much as it as it should on nostalgia as it does on like new artists, like new music. So like, I feel like there's a, there's a fan, like the fan who's gonna go see Mariah headline on whatever stage she's on, is probably not gonna go to Soldier Boy. They're probably gonna go to In Vogue or something like that. So like, it makes sense.
0: Well, now it's time for our main topic, which is gonna be a cute little deep dive into Masterpiece Theater. The album that never really albumed. (laughs) So I'm excited you guys decided to talk about this album. I am.
2: Um, before we jump in with opinions and thoughts and things, um, folks should remember that Masterpiece Theater is the fourth album in Vogue's discography. It was released on May the 23rd, 2000, back on Electra Records. Um, this was the second album post-dawn, but it was certainly a creative endeavor. Um, and it features production, uh, again, from Denzel and uh, Thomas, but also additional production from Folks like Mo Benjamin, Mark Elliott, Wayne Jackson, Mark Lomax, Michael J. Manny, Marlon McLean, and Dave Meese. And it is certainly um, uh, creative in that it is a a mixture of of genres and approaches to music that uh, was some
1: new for the girls. So, what did y'all think? Well, don't don't forget that upon its release, it received mixed reviews and... (laughs) Um, and it was a commercial disappointment. It reached number 33 on the Billboard Top R&B Hip Hop Albums chart and number 67 on the Billboard 200, becoming In Vogue's first album not to enter the top 10 in the United States.
2: And it really only had the one single with Riddle, which we'll
1: talk about. But... Yeah.
0: It, Riddle was the only leading single.
1: They left it, it for dead. Honey, they left it for dead. <laughs> I just want to set the scene. Like, can you imagine? So it's 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 the year 2000 and they turn this record into Sylvia Rome and they're like, here it is, girl, our new album. And they're listening around the office in the boardroom and the records play. Like,
0: what do you think the response? <laughs> what do you think the response was upon first listen? It was probably the reaction that I gave y'all when you asked me if I watched uh, Maxi's show. <laughs> it was probably that I was kind of like, uh, I don't know about this. But
1: I think, you know, because back in the day, they used to do those like listening sessions. You know, everyone gathers around and they listen. And I think at that point they were like, yeah, let's cut this budget immediately. <laughs> it was like one video Let's send the girls to the Rosie O'Donnell show and pack it up.
2: Well, that's the thing for me though is like I don't. I wonder how much investment the label even had in them at this point because at we're talking about two thousand. They've been a decade plus in the game at this point. The last album didn't meet expectations, even though it had their biggest sort of hit attached to it as a project, it but did then you okay. lost I mean, the it, was girl. Platinum. it
1: was like I mean, was, but like
2: comparatively to the other things, it yeah. wasn't the sort of like massive thing that they probably had hoped it would be. Mm. And we talked about on our deep dive that it just was, was a bit of a hodgepodge of sounds anyway. Um, and so right. this is a different, like we couldn't even settle into that sound before they decided they were going to go take us somewhere else with all of this sort of classical sample driven stuff. And so... It's weird because y'all remember what music sounded like in 2000? Like, I just can't imagine there's a maturity to the use of classical sounds that I would have been like, girl, this ain't for the radio. Like, none of this is for the radio. Like, it's cute, but like, how are you comparing to artists and pop music in particular that was coming out in 2000? It just doesn't make any sense to me why they thought this was the way to go.
1: Well, I think also at that time... Ninety nine two thousand was also a wave of neo soul. Like so for mm. black for black artists, it was like the the real emergence of the neo soul er- era. You had the Jill Scotts, the D'Angelo's, the Kindred Family Souls, the Erica Badu's. Um, that really the flowery, you know, that it really went on a big, um, a big explosion on on that type of thing. And I think Invoke had some songs on Masterpiece Theater that that I think really would have fit a little bit more in that lane that were not, like, of the classical <laughs> sample, um, like, Work It Out, F- Number One Man. Like, those are two two records that I thought, you know, you got some R&B, like, potential there. Um, but definitely nothing mainstream, nothing that was going to get them any type of crossover <laughs> um, appeal on this album at all.
0: I will say that I can appreciate a conceptual vision. So I, I can Same. appreciate, I can appreciate, you know, Thomas and and Denny and then, and in Vogue, like, like having like a vision of like, Oh wow. What if we did this, this way? Cause remember, um, I think maybe like two years later, MTV did Carmen Hip Hop with Beyonce oh. and, 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 mm-hmm. and most Def, you know what I mean. So it was like, it, there, there was also this like very mainstream popular yep. thing where it's like, we're taking, you know, classic theater and putting a hip hop spin to it. Like, you know, so I, and, and, and they also did, um, on the album, uh, they did a spin on a Carmen, Carmen Opera song oh, The same way Beyonce <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same way Beyonce did with the Pepsi commercial. The Pepsi commercial. You know what I mean? So 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 what so, you're saying
1: is they were ahead of their time. If they had just I, waited a I'm couple saying, of years, they would have been able to join in on the hip hop era
0: I, I do I I like I said, I can appreciate that. Um I just feel like the vision wasn't fully realized because the production value um is not the best on all, on certain songs. And like you said, there's no mainstream appeal. Like even with Riddle being the being the lead single, one, the Riddle music video is a surf. Like is. the storyline, the 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 costuming, the sets, cause it has like this very um kind of uh, it was a very 2000s to-
1: video for sure
0: yeah, it, yeah and it because it, it from a from a 2000s perspective looking at like a futuristic or like modern you know like so like the the set design like looking very modern you know the leather dominatrix outfits when they were like going back and forth with their two personas you know the purple fringe, like i almost like this is like a serve like i love this video but when you think of i feel like because it's the because of the concept, the songs feel laborious. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, oh, it's theater. So we're like, we're telling a story. So there's a lot of lyrics. You know, the, the choruses are not really catchy. Cause when you say one little riddle, two little, three little, four little, like, what does that mean? What am I saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? No. But I, but I, but I feel like, I know they're saying like, oh, you're lying. So you're giving me, you're telling me riddles. So I'm like, but, That doesn't necessarily translate on the first listen. Like, well, what does Riddle mean? You know what I mean? Um, So I feel like there was like a a disconnect with like the execution. But the album itself, which we're going to get into, it has a lot of gems that I feel like go a little bit underappreciated from the people. Now, Rumor has
1: it, or Urban Legend, I don't know if this has been confirmed by any of the ladies or not, but... Um, I believe that "Riddle" was like the last song they recorded because, upon initial reaction to the album, the label felt like they didn't have a single, so they went back in and recorded "Riddle" last. Like, have you guys heard that? Oh, that's interesting.
0: I, I haven't heard that either.
1: Yeah, that was something. Yeah, I remember reading that and hearing that years ago. That that was like the label just thought that they didn't have anything, and so they went back in and recorded "Riddle." Like. The concept is really interesting, actually. I think it's a really interesting cons- concept. Um, and it hasn't really been done, I don't think, by... Especially, well, not by a, like, popular group. So, maybe they were going for, like, the... We haven't gotten our Grammy yet. We want to do something that's going to be, like, critically acclaimed. And that's going to kind of get us to be seen or taken seriously, maybe. Okay, well, let's get into the album. So, what are you guys' favorites?
0: Do or do you have any favorites?
1: Does anyone?
0: I do, and I actually have a I actually have a, a, a nice handful of favorites on this album um, that I can listen to that have re listening ability for me. Um, so I do listen to Riddle because I just think that the the entire Song lyrically is just so petty. It is. It is. <laughs> and I, and it's, it's just a petty song.
1: Cause she found Louise's number. I'm like, who, if your
0: man <laughs> right. know you man she might you with somebody named Louise? Louise. That is <laughs> the problem. Let me, let me tell you, no, no, every time Cindy comes in on her verse, she goes, Friday night? I love that part. So I'm with a little run up. I love that. She does it so well. So the album has some gems on it. Um, But yeah, so I do like Riddle a lot. I love Falling in Love. It's, it's such a cute song to me. Cause, cause vocally, they all sound so, and and honestly, I feel like this album, at least like vocally, um, favors uh, Cindy and Maxine very well. Like every verse that they have, every song they lead, like Maxine, I'm a business queen and a cobra king now. But when it comes to love, like, I'm like, you better see. Well, one y'all. thing that has always bothered
1: um, me about this song when they said, for, it's, it's, it's something in that song where they're like, there's no software for love. I'm like, girl, all these date apps, <laughs> there's plenty of software to find love. <laughs>
0: but maybe in 2000, they didn't have it. But like, no, I remember, no, I think, I think uh, around that time, they had those like dating uh, services where you have to record a video on VHS <laughs> and send it to them. And you would have to go to their headquarters to like go through a VHS of tapes of people. I think so that on the it was much... the episode Like <laughs> it was much, it was much, very much that she said. There's no software um, but yeah. for the love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I do love falling in love, love you crazy. So I have a story, funny, funny story with love you crazy. Um, when I bought Masterpiece Theater on CD, I would listen to it in my room uh, on the radio, right. Uh I mean, on the boombox. And so my brother, who's like this, like, you know, at the time, he's like, you know, super thuggish, she's, the, you know, like real, real, real hood. And and when it started, he came and he was like, wait, who is this? And I was like, oh, this is in vogue. And so he kept having me loop the beginning over and over that little. Then it comes in with the hip hop beat. He thought that I was like such a sir. And he and he wanted to rap to it. (laughs) And I was like, this is so funny. So I will say that that concept of Love You Crazy, the production is a really good so I can listen to that song over and over. Um Whatever Will Be Will Be. I like that song. Um Work It Out. I work it out is such a it's such a funky, good R and B song. Um, Cindy has a, that bridge is probably a, a, one of their, to me, it's, it could be on the list of one of their top bridges of all their songs. Cause it just, it just has like such a groove to it. And then it's a, wait, it's a song that, uh, Maxine, I literally just listened to this album that Maxine is on. Love, won't um, take me out. Yeah. And then, and then No, No Can't Come Back. It, um, I, it's not my favorite song, but it has like that, Ev nostalgia to it, like do 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 do. It gives me like it gives me funky divas like want mm-hmm, to sing vibes to it. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. the best song, but the, the, but for me those are like some of my favorites that I can listen to. The other some, some of these other songs they can be thrown out, and and I know that on our YouTube page we have a clip of them singing "Sad but True" with Rona
2: at the night of the proms. I don't. I don't I don't like that song at all. <laughs> I don't like that song. <laughs> my mouth is a, a
0: gape. <clears throat> what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, but those are some of those are I'm up. but those are some of my favorite songs on the album. What about you guys? So,
1: okay, I actually like a lot of songs on the album.
2: <laughs> So, I think <laughs> we have to redirect ourselves here, because maybe we actually really like this album.
1: I like a lot of the songs, now. Like, I just think that it shouldn't have been, it shouldn't exist, like, it shouldn't have been released, but, I mean, I bought the CD when it came out, I was like, who is this woman on the cover, because that is not Maxine, and I was, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so, but over the years, I have come to really like a lot of the songs, like, and it was one of those things where I always kind of had like this negative aso- association of Masterpiece Theater in my mind because it was like not very successful and they got dropped after they released it. But I actually in looking at it, it's like, damn, I actually like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the songs like I have like in my um you know in my playlist so 10 out of 14 of the songs no no can't come back i always listen to that falling in love love won't take me out i think i feel like that is such a bop um work it out um love you crazy i do like but what i don't like is like when no-name rappers just pop up on songs so i'm right. like, Who's? like i feel like that could have been a single i do think love you crazy is really catchy <laughs> But I don't know who that person rapping is. Um, that kind of threw it off for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm having like a weird time reconciling the fact that I thought I didn't like it as much as I maybe do. So, um, So, yeah, I just have to, I'm Sad But True Hive over here. Um, oh, okay. so I do mm-hmm. love that song. I think it's just I think the live performance eclipses the studio performance for me, the one that we've talked about before on previous episodes, but I just think it's a beautiful song and I think specifically the Rona edition just filled it out in a way that uh maybe lacks a little bit on the studio version, but um I just think it's a beautiful song period. Um and then yeah, I think like uh I, unlike JP, love Riddle. Um oh, gross. I think it was actually a great <laughs> song. I think it's a great, like it's catchy and for it's a so single. Long.
0: It doesn't
1: end. Like, oh my
2: god. <laughs> um, and I think I, y'all mentioned some of the other ones. I think we have a consistent level of outside of Riddle, apparently. I think we have consistent faves between the three of us, but uh the ones that are the ones that don't work really just don't work. So um so yeah, and I actually speaking of riddle, I think we I think we talked about this before, but I actually like the original version. I'm, the red the red zone remix is fine, but um, I'm 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 an original riddle
0: fan. I'm an original as well. Like I hate the fact that I used to for years I would only listen uh, to that one YouTube. No, I would YouTube the video, mm-hmm. but it would always be the red zone remix. So I'm like, where is the original audio? Like yeah. I don't want this. It was, ugh, I hated it. I hated it. But I, it's a favorite I, I, do you, uh, do y'all know the actress CCH Pounder?
2: Yeah. Where are we going with this?
1: She was in Demon Night and she had her arm chopped off in Demon Night. Mm-hmm.
0: That's who Maxine looks like on that cover. She oh, cover. does. <laughs> when I, I
1: remember going into the, I remember going into, I went into, it was either, do y'all know Camelot music? Yeah, uh, I, remember, uh, I remember Camelot
2: music. Uh-huh. I, I
1: went in there and I was like, In Vogue got a new album? And I looked at that cover and I was like, who the hell is this? And I was just like, did I miss an a issue of Right On Magazine or Black Beat? Because I don't recall... I was like, what happened to Maxine? Like, where did well, she go? Well,
2: you know, and the thing, I, I, I'm going to attribute it to the fact that at the at the Y2K era, that the music industry in particular was really loving the technology because we had the auto-tune at full blast and apparently we had the Photoshop working overtime. Uh, and sometimes it just did not work. It did not work. That is another uh, question
1: I have to have for Maxine. Like, honey, what happened in this cover? Like, I thought Maxine was replaced. But, um yeah, so why do you but why do you guys think the album failed to meet the success of Funky Divas or even e v three at this point? was it do you think any do you think it would have mattered like if let's say they did something that was very much of the time, do you think it would have changed kind of like the trajectory of invoke, you know, or was Sylvia Roone in the label and just really not interested at all? I
0: do feel like if you want to make it in this business, you have to go where the trends go. You have to. Um as for, at, at least at least if you're a black at this time in the 2000, if you're a black artist trying to stay mainstream, you have to follow the trend. To the year 2000 was not kind to black artists trying to venture out and do conceptual stuff you know what i mean especially you're trying to like blend musical theater with r&b hip-hop aesthetics like that that's it wasn't favorable for black people at that time so i i so you know all these years later i can appreciate this album a lot more and what the goal was but i do feel like you know some of these songs should have been taken off Um, and, and there should have been like more mainstream stuff. And I do feel like a lot of the songs that we, that we like as faves probably could have had a better shelf life if there was a visual behind it. Cause sometimes the visual of a song helps you connect with the song more. Like just having like an audio, you know, you kind of like trying to figure out, I do that well, I used to do that with a lot of Beyonce songs, like. I didn't like Run the World when it first came out. I thought it was like, you know, fun, but I, I didn't don't. like it. Then I uh.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Signing. Continue. Continue. Uh,
0: are you are you are you in your AJ era? Is that what you're doing? You know. Um, um I uh but I when I saw the video, it made I, I was able to put like a, a vibe to the song. So I feel like well a lot of these songs, you know. Like, even um, work it out. Like, I'm like, I can imagine if we had, like, a a visual with that song, it would have had a better shelf life on probably on adult contemporary radio. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been, like, a, a, a second single, etc. Um I even think that um, um those dogs, like, if it had a visual, it probably would have been, like... I used I used to to uh, love that song when I first bought the (laughs) album. I used to wear that out. Me too. City sound great. And then, um, what's the uh, love you crazy? Like if that had a visual, like you know, the with Nutcracker vibes, the ladies are in like toy, like toy soldier esque. Type of costumes with the, ooh with that would have
2: been cute, you
0: know, with the makeup. Mm-hmm. Like if they were like on like a stage, like if it really was like let's do like a Nutcracker type of video. Can you imagine the girls like in? Do, have y'all seen the Met Gala pictures? Mm-hmm. Do y'all are can y'all remember what Jenna Ortega was wearing? Yes, and she had like that Tom. I'm gonna let me find the picture. She had that like Tom Brown. uh uh designer but but it it was very much toy soldier like it had that feel like so i could see them like wearing something in that vein you know with some tools some some lace like but either way love you crazy it could have had a great visual moment um to kind of go with the song and it probably would have would have connected with audiences better um but yeah i feel like visuals visuals would have help the album at least not be considered a, a flop because it's not it's it I mean commercially it's a flop but it's it's not a bad album.
1: You know, it makes me wonder though, like, well two things. So I think when you want to do I think there's a balance, right? When it comes to like commercial success and when you are a mainstream act, you have to, you know, be ahead of the trend and all of those things, right? But conceptually, if you have an artistic idea, I think there's a balance of, like, I want to follow my idea, but I also realize that we got to keep the lights on, so we have to do something that's going to (laughs) be, that the people are going to gravitate to easily. So, I think for Masterpiece Theater, it would have been nice for them to have their concept, and they could have done, like, you know, a little theater suite type of thing like kind of like how they did the album where they have like the love suite or whatever they could have had like a little masterpiece theater suite part where they kind of play with those samples but around that they could have gave us something more current and <laughs> they could have gave us something you know uh, they could have gotten another you know baby face record or you know a little jimmy jam or something but it makes me wonder though since tommy and denny did most of the production i'm i mean i'm assuming they they didn't spend a lot of budget. So I wonder if, you know, that was their way of kinda of keeping money in their pockets, maybe?
2: Oh, like it's uh it was easier to just streamline the budget with the production right. with the producers that yeah. they were using. So used, let's say yeah. if you yeah.
1: get a hundred thousand dollar production budget, you know And, you know, Tommy and Denny are going to do it for half of that. And so you get, (laughs) you get to kind of keep some of those costs. Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like,
2: well, it also gives you more room to play, right? Because if you go and get the one baby face song and it's half your budget, unless it's a hit, you left that sort of out in the cold to figure out what to do with the rest of your coin. So that's, I I think that's a interesting hypothesis for sure.
0: Yeah. There are politics that go into making an album it's not it's not always creative so that is a very valid thing to say it's like okay well maybe we we can do more if we keep the money in house and pay other people um but i i I guess i feel like if you have a hit i feel like the 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 label is going to spit they'll they'll increase the budget i feel like it was like oh uh
2: oh! True. But if you're
0: not if if you're not trying to venture out to say maybe we should hit maybe we should talk to this person or this person or that person the definition of insanity. Well, and that's a doing good... the same thing over and over and expecting a robozole. That's so it's like yeah, Tommy and Denny, Tommy and Denny. You know, they were kind of losing their edge. You know, after a while, that's
2: a good segue though because. One thing that keeps popping into my brain that we haven't necessarily said yet is, like, y- y'all know I like a little context and a little time and place. And so it's important, I think, here to say, like, they have been in the game for over a decade. And these are women who were approaching 40 and pop R&B music. And so I think it's important to name how ageist the industry is and how people see your worth, depending on how you've been able to show and prove and what you can offer like right now. So like the fact that they had been in the game for a long time did not benefit them as much as their shelf value right now. in the at that point in the year 2000, and I feel like they don't, we didn't treat, especially women, we did, especially black women in pop music, which I say they're pop artists. Like, yes, they're R&B singers, R&B music, but like they were. Massive pop success during the '90s, and so I feel like by 2000, unless you had a really sort of obvious and big presence on in pop music, which I think we saw started to wane with Ev3. I think that they did; they weren't seen as as valuable as other artists at the time. And so I think that affects budget, that affects music videos, that affects the sound. All of that sort of gets impacted by uh, decisions by people who are making those decisions and saying that we think that because, you know, you've been in the game this long and the last one didn't do so well, you don't get the budget or you don't get the investment. So, I just think we got to, we got to name that because unfortunately, you know, Cindy, I think at the time I just looked it up was like 39 into 40. And that is, that is not for now, maybe that could work. But back then, I don't think people were really sort of featuring that.
0: And then you, uh, you also thinking about that, it's like, when I think about some of the songs that were popular you know, in 2000, like one, say my name went number one in 2000. You know what I mean? Uh, Maria Maria went, uh, oh, number one 2000. Uh, Aaliyah's Try Again. Um, I, and I'm just looking at black artists. Cisco Incomplete was number one. Janna Jackson Doesn't Really Matter was number one. Come on Over, Christina Aguilera was number one. Um, Independent Woman was number one. So I feel like, you know, they they're, they're uh, outcasted Miss Jackson so there are a lot of different like oh Joe Stutter went number one I didn't. I had no clue that would number mm-hmm. one. That was a pop. I
2: had that CD I, single honey yes. Oh wow. Stutter went number
0: one. Um, I could take it lying yeah <laughs> Ushers you remind me oh this is 2001. Wait Oh okay I'm done with 2000. But yeah but so so there was a lot of variety when it came to the black sound on number one. You know what I mean? But I feel like if you kind of get in touch with what's like, it's like what's what with what is on Billboard top 10, it's not this. So I feel like it's like, okay, we have a good concept. But, you know, like you said, JP, it's like maybe get like one or two songs that can be like mainstream, mainstream pop. And then you can keep the rest of the stuff. Cause, cause how many albums have we bought? Where
1: you only listen to the (laughs)
0: singles. The singles are the only good songs and the rest of the album is trash. So I'm like, but at least you have a spot in, in, uh, the culture for at least the next two years because you have, uh, a top 10 hit. You but know, you can't course
2: correct uh, at that point, right? Like, what if you've done no. half of these songs and you've committed to this concept and now you're like, mm, maybe this ain't it. Or maybe they, ain't. it's not being received on the label front. You can't go back in the studio and record a whole new album of fresh songs. So you just sort of have to deal with what you got, you know?
0: Yeah. What, what did Tommy and, Den- so Tommy and Denny didn't have any other, any other artists or they didn't have any other songs on Billboard or nothing like that? So, so my question is, and this isn't, this isn't, I'm not trying to be shady. I'm literally speaking from like a business perspective. If if Tommy and Denny, as producers, do not have any artists or any type of mainstream success in the current climate of music now, meaning 2000, and how sounds have changed, how artistry has changed, why trust them to produce the entire album? Because they're not, they're they're not in that. You know what I mean? It's like I think what? the
1: ladies that was that was I think that was definitely their choice.
0: one hundred percent. And and but I also feel like I feel like Sylvia Rowe should have. But here's I had I had another thought. And
1: I I was reading a quote from one of the critics reviews and it says in Vogue's, um Connie Johnson from the Los Angeles Times concluded that ever since the departure of member <laughs> Don Robinson in Vogue hasn't sounded like the girl group innovator it was for much of the 90s. And I was just thinking, like, I wonder if Dawn was in the group. Because I don't think she would have went for that. I wonder how that would have changed, like, what this project sounded like as well. You know what I mean? Because I think Dawn, I think, we like, she's the younger one in the group. into to um, Josh's point, like, Cindy was almost 40. I think Terry was, like, 38. Um, I wonder if having, if missing that element made them kind of lose some of their cool factors. Someone in the studio to say, Mm -hmm. girls, this is not what's hot. (laughs) This is not what, you know, Janet is releasing. This is not what TLC is doing. You know, I think they were missing that. (laughs) You know, someone to say, ladies, (laughs)
0: like... (laughs) Like, imagine, imagine... Who wrote Say My Name? The Beyonce write Rodney
1: Jerkins and LaShawn Daniels. Rodney
0: Jerkins. So, So, I'm like, why not work with these... Produ- I mean, I'm sure Roddy Jerkin's Dark Child was probably expensive. I mean, but wasn't Rona Bennett, his, the first lady of Dark Child, was she still around at that time? Was she was she around Dark Child around 1999, 2000? Because I feel like this album was being recorded from 99 to 2000. So I'm like, e- either way, I feel like I agree with you about Dawn. You know, everybody can say what they want to say about Dawn, but like, sis, she she be speaking some sense. She know, She's like, no. This isn't what is. It. This isn't. This ain't hot. This ain't cute. This ain't current. You know. This is out of the ordinary. I feel like she would have been like, "This isn't it." And she and she probably would have been like, you know, let's talk to Ronnie Jericho. Let's talk to Babyface again. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, because whatever was 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 a the the biggest hit on on um Ev three, you know. So it's like let let's get some more people, but like. You know, I feel like Tommy and Denny should have like submitted songs and, and, and they should have got submissions from multiple producers to say, okay, we have this concept, but let's just get some submitted songs and talk to groups, say, Hey, we doing this and then go from there. But can y'all imagine if,
2: so here's where I sort of walk it back a little bit because can you imagine if, the vision was this sort of classical concept, but they gave the song, they gave people the opportunity to submit across, right? Like, so what you mentioned, Champ, which, like, if Tommy and Denny submitted their songs, but what if you told Rodney Jerkins, like, we're going for this concept. You do what you think would be interesting using this sample, or you do what you, like, Missy, you give me something that feels classical-inspired, so instead of having sort of a consistent level or a consistent concept across like one or two production folks, you've got a bigger concept that's like, oh, this is how Missy like interpreted classical. This is how Dark Child did or this is how Stargate mm-hmm. did. Or these are like so everybody kind of it's, it would feel fresher because there would be different perspectives on the same concept. You know what I mean? Like that would have been really, exactly. really interesting to me
0: exactly exactly but like there are songs on here that I'm like they're good songs like I would love to hear on a set list like a live performance I feel like I was trying to I was trying to make excuses for Latin soul (laughs) but that song is not good (laughs) it's not a good song ooh ah I like that I just started I like the chorus recently, I just started I like listening to
1: that song and I was like well this is cute could I see a video for it like I'm thinking like I mean it was the Latin explosion at the time maybe that could have been a little something mm-hmm. but I hate in the I verses li- when they start talking about going to get lunch at a <laughs> at a cafe or some shit like why are we See, like, it, see, see why are you no, thinking no, no. about see. going to the cafe and you know sitting down at an empty yeah, club
2: yeah, yeah.
0: like Girl, Mm -hmm. See, I'm glad you said that because Your taste
2: level is questionable today. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking. You say you say you love you like Latin soul, but we have you have shaded the hell out of riddle. It's fascinating to me. Oh yeah,
1: well you know I can feel the Latin soul when they when they
0: talk about they don't over talk about Monday morning and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But you you don't. But I will say I'm glad you said that because for me, a lot of the lyrics are very storytelling you know what I mean it's like they're they're setting a scene and I'm kind of like all right can we do something else because I, I felt like it, it kind of got played out because because I guess maybe that was like part of building this concept of like we're telling like it's supposed to be like a theater like a master's I get that but I felt like sometimes the songs were I'm like, what, where's the poeticism? Like, where's the, where are the, the metaphors and the, and the similes? Like, you know, it, I, it wasn't poetic. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't like, you know, uh, it, I just felt like I was like, oh, we're talking, it's like, yeah, you came in and sat on my couch and I looked at you when I was not, and I was upset. And, and I was like, okay, girl, <laughs> you know, thanks for telling. It's like I'm reading your diary versus like I'm, I'm listening to like a poetic song. Um, so that was kind of my my problem with a few of the songs on there, but I, but like I said, like like the song still has some gems um, overall. But yeah, I would have, have working with different producers, which has been the tale as old as time on this podcast. Um, I just feel like it's okay to reach out, you know, and 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 hey, who's to say that maybe. They did go on the studio with Missy Elliott, you know, you know, or maybe they had a conversation with Missy. Maybe Missy was like ready to to do it. Maybe she was like, oh, I want to because for I, we all know Missy Elliott loves girl groups. She pays homage to them. She loves the Clark sisters. She loves singing women. Uh Faith Evans, Kelly Price. Like she's worked with these women a lot. So I can imagine that. Being on the same label, she probably was like, let me get in a studio with Invoke. Let me talk to them. Let me talk to them. But maybe the schedule was just in the connector. Maybe they just wanted to stay loyal to Tommy and Denny. I don't know. Maybe Missy Elliott was, was expensive. But I imagine if you're on the same label, you know, cause Missy Elliott is not, she, like you said, she's a writer and a producer too. So I'm sure she has multiple multiple songs in her arsenal that she could be like, hey, y'all, just come in the studio, you know, today, and I can play y'all some stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hell, well, they could have talked to Candy Burris. She wrote Bills, Bills, Bills. You know, um, I, I I wonder if maybe there was like a initial interest on both parties to work, and it just, it, it just didn't happen, you know? Because I do feel like, I do feel like Dawn would have been like, we need to work with Missy. Don't mess with my man from Lucy Burrow could have been a great invoke song, but mm. that's just me. Yeah. Cause don't mess with my man. First of all, the way it starts, like I like, I feel like I said this before on this podcast, but like the, the guitar, the, 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 you know, the bass. I'm like, just the way it starts, it's so, it's, it, it's so like electric. So imagine hearing that, hearing that. At an in vogue concert, and like you know, uh, him and the ladies, the different ladies, like I'm like, that could have been an in vogue song. And because, it, and we know Rafael Sadiq has has worked with them before, um, and he knows them. And the fact that Don is the only one singing on that song, I could see Raphael submitting that as an invoke vogue to invoke, vogue, but yeah, and I could to see be that.
2: fair, like if. Like I could also see the aesthetic of Lucy Pearl, like the vision of Lucy Pearl, like that how they showed up, also applying to Invoke at the time. Like it could have, it would have been a nice consistent through line from Ev3, which I think they were playing around with some of that, and then, but instead we we got high glam aesthetic for Masterpiece Theater, which I also love. I like. I mean, for bad Photoshop aside, I think like they looked great in terms of like how they were styling them, but. I think that's interesting to imagine in an alternate universe where they maybe leaned more into that sort of opposite end of aesthetic, but also played around with some of that more neo soul of the time, which is what Lucy Pearl was doing. This Photoshop, this Photoshop was really bad, y'all. Like I'm looking at it again, and not so Max's face aside, they like they really did a lot on Terry's body to make her look like on the riddle single cover she is mm-hmm. obscenely thin and i know that she was not as thin as she has been photoshopped here because it doesn't look healthy to me so like i don't know it's just ugh. yeah the riddle single cover is
0: oh it yeah they're they're wearing those um
2: they se- they look it, sexy i love the little like the color scheme
0: oh oh god yeah, yeah. mhm
1: like who is yeah, it, Why does this look like Isaiah Banks and not Maxine Jones? <laughs> Doesn't it yeah, look it's, like Isaiah Banks?
2: Even Cindy's face is not as Cindy. Like they they really did touch the the Photoshop was working and unnecessarily. Like they're beautiful women. They yeah. didn't need any of that.
0: And Max you, don't look like herself again. Yep. It's like That's this Azaria is two Banks. times in a row. Where I'm like, who is that? I like it. Like I do like the I like the color scheme a lot. I love you know the pop you know the the dresses like they they look good. Why um, they
2: got Terry in this white? Because there's like a jewel tone thing that's happening between like
0: yeah she should have worn like emerald or green, green. Or something.
2: yeah like they could have been giving like the wiz glam like. Uh, uh period <laughs> but instead she over here in a spring in a springtime Easter dress. um I but don't... that's
0: the but that's the same thing with them putting um max in black on the masterpiece theater right. cover. i'm like going why to the funeral i can't yeah that's weird choices Cho- choices <laughs> it just i mean i mean the 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 it's, it's giving like in vogue and a fresh take as at least the, the color scheme of it all. But you know, there are just ways that you could just elevate it. And I'm like, mm, maybe not, especially if it's a, it's an album. The album is supposed to be like a take on theater. Like y'all need to give me some drama. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like if your name is in vogue, give me some vogue. Right. Some couture. Um, yeah. So where does, so for you guys, where does this album rank in your overall EV discography?
2: I, I actually think I put it, I put it at, oh, this is wild. I put it at number three.
1: Oh my gosh. So. You know
0: what? You, but you, you know what is actually put out literally, I was looking at the, looking to my side and I was like, wait. Do I like this album more than EV three? Exactly. I, I exactly. don't like the EV three album. Besides, don't let go
2: and whatever um,
0: and whatever. I don't like that album. So I feel like I will put Masterpiece Theater above EV three. 100%. I enjoy I think EP3 because
1: I get to hear Don's vocals all up and throughout so it just has a spe- <laughs> it just holds a special place in my heart. A loyal fan, honey. A loyal fan
2: <laughs> a to loyal, the end.
1: A loyal I would take her bitch. on the background.
2: Is loyal that to that? the block. <laughs> to the block and beyond, honey. <laughs> loyal. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Yeah, actually Josh, we're on the same page. I would actually rank Masterpiece Theater number three in their discography. The only thing that Cut to,
2: and this is so superficial, but the thing that gives EV3 the one-up for me is only the aesthetics and the budget and and like visual things like when i think about ev3 Mm -hmm. visually it is actually and i said this before ev3 is my favorite like visual presentation of In vogue from any album Mm -hmm. and so that Mm -hmm. means a lot to me because like you said earlier when i see a music video it makes it informs how i think about the song or feel about the song and when i saw that whatever video like that album could have had five songs and whatever would still make it like a superstar album for me just because the visual mm-hmm. and the song do something for me. So, like, that's the only one up. Otherwise, I think as a whole, like you said, Masterpiece Theater is just a, more consistent and yeah. a better listen, I think. And the, especially aging, exactly. I think it's still a better listen than EV3.
0: Right. Oh, and Two Gone Too Long. I, oh, that's yes. One of that's my favorite EVs on Stew. So, what With besides whatever, Don't Let Go and Two Gone Too Long, and maybe Let It Flow on a Good Day. I, EV, 3 album is like, I don't like it. But to, for me to have like seven to seven songs, six to seven songs that I could listen to in Masterpiece Theater or re- repeat over EV, over EV3's three's a half. Yeah. Masterpiece Theater is a much better album to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of in the, I guess the album gets, a, gets like a, a, a average C, C plus seed for to for all of us <laughs> I think it's time to get to
1: the listener letters yeah so we are going to
2: do our fave letter segment um so without further ado we're gonna jump right into it and
0: well well I will say before we go I will say to listeners you know please in the comments like tell us what your what you think of this album. What are your favorite tracks on this album? What do you think could have made this album better? And what do you think is the reason why it failed commercially? Like, we want to hear your thoughts. Um, and where does this album rank in your EV discography? Is it is it better than EV3, like me and Jar said? Or is it, you know, do you like Electric Cafe better than this? You know, we want to hear it. So tell us what you think about it as well. Yes. So, yeah.
2: You better drum up the engagement in the comments, okay? Here we go. A podcast host, a producer, a (laughs) co-producer. Anyway.
1: But let me also just say, like, notice how when you think about their discography or whatever, we only, like, I think most people will agree, like, the best are the ones they did, you know, when they were signed to the major label. I really hope that they give us an album that we can be proud of in the future. Like I hope you know when they when you think about their later years and their later discography, I hope they give us something that we can really enjoy as feverly or feverishly as we enjoy like the Born to Sing and the Funky Divas. You know what I mean? I want a full album that I can enjoy as much as I enjoy those. Because <laughs> like as like a, as like a Janet fan, I can say like um, Unbreakable was like. I felt like I was in my glory afterward like it was like a you know I went she went back to like the days that I fell in love with as I would love for like invoke to just give me an album and we know it's not going to do whatever commercially, but I would love just to get like a great, great body of work that we're like, Oh, they did that. Like it's sold two copies, but they did that. Mm-hmm. Like- <laughs>
2: and I think the, the charge is, on, is certainly on them to figure it out, but it's also on like labels to put the investment and coins in them so that they can actually do it too. You know, like I think we saw a little bit of it with, Electric Cafe, like, because when I think about Rocket or, or Reach for Me, I'm like, oh, wow, the potential, the potential. So it's still there, but I think that they have to, like... At the time, I don't know if they're still dealing with E1, but at least with the last uh, album, I guess E1 let them play and maybe gave them the the money to do so because, you know, Rocket was a Neo record. Um, Reach For Me Reach was... Reach For Me was a bop.
1: But I also think that, like, recording now is a lot cheaper. Like, back in, like, the 2000s, you had, like, producers charging six figures for, like, a song. Like, I remember, like, the Neptunes and right. Land and them, like, they were charging, like, 100 $200,000 for like a song
2: <laughs> just to produce also, a song. So. What about new producers? Like up and coming folks. Like I just feel like they need like a creative mind with them musically to be like, let's go find the up and coming folks who haven't necessarily been put on yet who are going to have more contemporary sound than songs yeah. to offer.
1: I think a lot of that it's on them but also like their team, their management like to be listening like who are the hungry new people that'll, you know, work with them, that can give them something fresh.
0: I feel like I feel like Rona seems like the type to just be researching artists. Like be just because she's such a musician, I could see her like being on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, being on SoundCloud, like looking at YouTube videos, like you know, like even like with like new artists, like like I said, the Shandella, Citizen Queen, Flow, like all these new emerging um, um, girl groups, or even like people like Coco Jones and and Victoria Monet, like these these you know even Chloe Bailey, who is a writer producer. You know, so I'm like, I, I can't imagine like what songs does she have in her arsenal that Herman Chloe didn't do, that she didn't put on in pieces that maybe could be submitted to In Vogue. And these, and these are, are female artists who look up to women like In Vogue who paved the way for them, who would be like, what? In Vogue with a new album. And can I submit like three or four songs for y'all to consider? You know what I mean? But yeah, there are a lot of like new, new producers who are up and coming who aren't that expensive because one, they haven't had like a lot of, they they have a shelf life when it comes to like streaming and TikTok and like their songs being shared, but not necessarily like billboard success, not a number one. So although uh, sonically they are great, but they don't have that commercial success on a top two level yet to where like, it's going to be super expensive to work with them. You know what I mean? So like, I mean, Matan always talks about, Kay- I think you and Matan always talk about Kay Trinata and, you know, K Trinata just started a group with Amine, the rapper, you know, and their song is really cool. So just like, like hearing them do different sounds will be great. Like imagine Envo doing a song and Amine being featured. Like that to me would be a dope, a dope collaboration. Or imagine like them doing a song and Anderson Pockets, uh, you know, uh, Featured on it, or he's producing. Like you know, there's so many options that they have. I just want to know: Are they open to it? Uh, because the stuff, the storyline for them has not run stale yet. But you know, <laughs> it's not.
2: Right. I thought we were going to get some of that when they did that chance the rapper. Song because that was. I thought that at first, when I heard they were doing a song with Chance the Rapper, I thought they were going to do like a sample flip of something that they already did, and they were going to, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be something sort of like nostalgia, or whatever. But when it was an original song, and they were kind of giving us, I think they gave us the hook, like. Um, there were a lot of people on that song though outside of them but uh mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cool and I was like oh maybe they're about to get a little bit more exploratory they're gonna try some new things maybe this will like invigorate them to sort of create songs with other audiences in mind outside of maybe what they've already been touching but I also it also makes me realize because I would love for them I would love for them to have a moment in the TikTok generation similar to what People are doing with SWV's Rain right now, which is like, it's kind of being sampled on everybody's song and TikTok mm-hmm. loves it. And I'm like, why has that not popped with an In Vogue record yet? Like, I don't know. We just need somebody could even to come see it, in.
0: Ha- I can even see it happening with Runaway Love, just because it has, yes. it's, it's about to be the summer, you know, it, Runaway Love has that top down, right? Past the beach type yes. of vibe, you know. Let's drink a, a, a pr- prosecco or something like that. It has that vibe to it, so I can see that. Um, but yeah, I do want them to kind of, kind of tap into the TikTok generation, just because that's what's popular. Like, like I would love to see. I don't know if it'll happen, but just like because in vogue were as they were those fashion girls. Like, I feel like there's a the spot for them in in the social media world that can. Translate to endorsements and sponsorships, like you know them being you you know seen at the Met Gala, you know, or or like you know a artist a, a designer like Christian Siriano wanting to put them in one of his shows, like you know what I mean? Because 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 the ladies look fucking good, <laughs> um, you know. They still have the body, the the face, you know the you know they're they're muses in their own right. So it's like there there is a lane for it um, I just hope that they I, I hope that um they get a team that can take advantage of that um so you know maybe i'm putting in I'm putting it in the universe we shall see um but yeah, let's get to these listener letters
2: so uh the first letter this episode comes from Candace and Candace says, Hi, fan cast. First of all, congratulations on the amazing interview with Rona. I'm so impressed that you guys got an, got to interview a member of In Vogue. First, Frank Gatson, now Rona Bennett. Fingers crossed for Maxine Jones next. Anyway, Rona is so down to earth, such a nice, honest, and insightful person. It was an absolute pleasure listening to her. She seems like someone I would absolutely love to sit down for a chat with. What a good soul. Keep up the great work, guys, and stay blessed
0: thanks candace yes shout out to matan he did a great job with that interview he was really trying to fish for that information but rona comes from that old school media training she knows how to she knows how to segue (laughs) (laughs) she knows how to do it matan's like so do you have a prenup and she's like well you know prenup rhymes with hiccup So, and I'm like, okay, Rona, you better pivot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was a really great interview. I got a lot of insight. Rona is, Rona just, she just seems so self-aware and so secure as a woman, as a black woman. I love that. Um, And her journey is very inspiring. She be giving out these gems. She should do, she should do a TED talk. (laughs) That's how good she is. Um, and our next listener letter comes from Lynn. And she says, Hey, boys, I'm back. Wait, I'm back. Who was, oh wait, who was Lynn? Oh, y'all know, do y'all, y'all remember Lynn?
2: I don't remember Lynn's last letter, but, but Lynn says it was a while back. So.
0: okay. So, well, welcome back, Lynn. Anyways, (laughs) Lynn says, Hey, boys, I'm back. And thanks for reading my letter a while back. The shady reactions killed me. (laughs) After watching Escape and SWV's reality show, it got me thinking. And I'm curious to know your perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Escape and SWV both had a huge resurgence and I feel are a few steps above EV in the media now. This is true. Both groups are doing huge arena shows and high-profile interviews events whilst Evie is performing at C- SeaWorld. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, you can Hold on. Lynn, uh, why are you gagging me like this? Okay. It's not actually while- correct,
2: but co- anyway, let's...
0: <laughs> while- because Ev is, is still pro-
2: performing at Bush Gardens, which is as of like last exactly. month so let's right. be very clear and invoke <laughs> just came off of an arena tour with new kids on the block and is going on in a- anyway so go ahead lynn
0: oh lynn so she says both groups are doing huge arena shows and how high profile interviews and events whilst ev is performing at SeaWorld and casinos in the middle of nowhere it's the, it's the
2: wildest for me
0: oh, it's the wildest okay. <laughs> it's the wildest um i think if they leaned into mainstream media a little more it would benefit them a great deal i'm not saying they need to do a reality show but they need a manager pr team that is going to book them for high profile gigs get them on talk shows that is that is not Mm -hmm. good morning america dallas i mean good morning dallas excuse me And get them some stylish outfits. It was even acknowledged that Evie outsold both Escape and SWV, but yet they are touring like a legacy, legacy, legacy act. And I feel bad for them because their legacy deserves a lot better. Say what you will, but Cindy and Terry really fumbled the bag with Max and Dawn because had it been the OG4, I believe they would have had a huge comeback in mainstream media today. Sorry, it was little, <laughs> a little long, but curious to know your thoughts. Thanks, Lynn. <laughs> well, Lynn, when, I, you, you when you're kinda... right,
1: you're right, sis. When you're right, you're right. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I just have,
1: Josh,
2: you are stirring yeah, over I here. I just have to say, so yes, I think we have to acknowledge that they are, in the current moment, they are not, even though they are far surpassed in records, record sales, et cetera, success impact. I think they far uh surpass uh escape and SWV. They it, that is the fact. However, I SWV is still on them, still at the Sea World Two. And uh we'll see I think there's like a weird moment where people have to figure out what to do with the like with reality television fame and how that how that translates. Because well, SWV
1: is going on tour with Jodice and Drew Hill. True, and the they've Marino been doing
2: tour. They've been doing that, but I think that there's like a, there's like a combination between when SWV is joining somebody, like there's when you're with a group of acts and you're doing arenas, which is what all of these groups are doing right now. No, none, between SWV, Escape, and Invoke, none of them are doing arena tours by themselves, right? Like they are on a bill with at least three to four other artists of similar or whatever caliber. So like that's number one, right? And then also Cindy and Terry didn't fumble the bag. All of them fumbled the bag. Okay. <laughs> all of them fumbled the bag because any of these women should have been able to put their things aside, regardless of what they were, to get the bag. And that's what's the most frustrating part of it for me is like, it's not one. We talk, we battle a lot about like, oh, it's this member that did this. It's all of them because at the end of the day, we got to all be able to pull our stuff aside and go for the greater goal, which is success coins relevance so
1: and the worst part though is that i don't think in vogue is ever going to get their due because people want to see the originals like SWV and escape are able to kind of move the way they're moving because people want the because they all have their original lineups and uh, (laughs) until in vogue is at that place it's just i don't think they're ever going to be they're they're not going to get that same fanfare because at the end of the day, the original four is what created the fans to begin with. You know what I mean, so it's like i don't I don't think a designer is gonna be like come to the Met wall with us because like y'all the fashion girls what is like well, the ones that were the fashion girls were the originals, so <laughs> it's just kind of like I, it's just like this never ending circle of just like you know what could be, but it's not, but thank you, Lynn. <laughs>
0: I mean I think that their rocket video is proof that they can that they have a place in fashion in today. I mean cuz at the end of the day Rona is Rona is beautiful and statuesque too, but I do agree when that when they slay they slay. The the the, the OG the OG 4 you know. But it's like, with, with, when,
1: when they slay today, though, it's just like, it's a slay, like, like anyone can slay with a stylist,
0: you know? But, but, like,
1: what makes it special is, like, when you see, like, the originals doing like, I just think it's, it's like, when you see a pretty, a pretty girl in a pretty dress, it's a pretty girl in a pretty dress, right? But I think what gives yeah. it that wow factor or just, like, the media buzz or, like, the attention is, like, when you see you know, the yeah, like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, it's not like you, the, I mean, the,
1: like the current lineup hasn't looked good, they've looked great, but I don't think it just doesn't get the same type of media attention as if it were the original four looking great,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand. Like, a people, people love a resurgence. People, yeah, love, people, a reunion. Like, people love a People love People love nostalgia. And I think, you know, and I think if way. it were five
1: of them, I think that would still be a, a you know, that would be a great moment. Cause we've seen, so we've too, seen yeah. what happened when they reunited for, um, yeah, for sister, Sylvia, Sylvia uh,
0: honoring her. Like, yeah, they, they look great as five. The office was playing, and the stage presence was good and, and Rona fit. You know, but it was still because, like, oh my God, Dawn and Maxine are back too. Um, so I feel like that there, that is a missed opportunity. And like, and I agree with you, Josh. It's like, yeah, they all fumbled the bag because the they all cannot get on the same page. You can't, you we can't just blame one person, two people, or this side that side. It's like, no, you all, you all are to blame because you all have to take accountability to the part you played and not being able to, you know. But I guess for me, I, I as, as optimistic as I, as I want to be about an EV5, you know, et cetera, um, I'm just trying to be realistic to like, well, right now we have Rona, Cindy, and Terry. So like, what can they do as a threesome? And granted, they've been doing a lot of great things as a threesome, you know, but it, it's just kind of been, they've been like decoration. They haven't been the main attraction. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I, I want, you, you know, SWV and escape, you know, right now they are the main attraction, you know, this, 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 uh, drama with Latasha Scott makes them the main attraction, like her dynamic with candy, you know, the sisters having a, a fallout, you know, even, you know, with SWV, like, like they're the main attraction. So I'm like, for better or worse has not. Yeah. Invoke hasn't been the main attraction and not saying that they have to have to lower their standards and be dramatic and be petty and ratchet. But I'm like, but you have to realize what is current and, and how you can take advantage of that to increase that bag. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, um, I'm, I'm going to stay positive, you know, hopefully the ladies will figure something out. Um Yeah. But they, like I said, thank you for your, 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 your petty ass letterland. Thank you so much.
2: Okay, so now we are going to head on to our rare track of the episode. This episode, we're going to be listening to and reacting to I Love You More and I Love You More Remix, written and produced by Denzel Foster and Thomas McElroy. And this was sort of created or released loosely in 2000. I want
1: the whole wide world to know.
2: It's not unusual to this way sometimes i feel a bit insane i will confess i deserve nothing less than what you've given me so far before masterpiece theater's official release an accompanying sampler album was put out featuring some of its tracks among them uh, the songs It's On and I Love You More with a remixed version of the latter. I Love You More included a sample of Nino Rota's The Godfather theme. Despite the latter being highly regarded by its fans, both of these songs were removed from the final album due to issues with uncleared sampling. However, these songs found a new life online as they were leaked onto file-sharing platforms such as LimeWire. Remember LimeWire? And Kazaa and all those mm-hmm. things. Um, Napster. <laughs> Napster. Napster. Yeah,
1: they- in the I love you so. I let
2: so, what do you all think of "I Love You More" and its remix?
1: I think "I Love You More" sounded like a bit of a bob. I think they had potential. The remix did.
0: I 100 agree. It sounded like, like, actually, this it sounded
1: like something that actually, yeah, would have been played <laughs> on the radio in yeah.
0: 2000. Mhm, mhm. Max mm-hmm. sounds so good you, on this song. Yeah. And can you imagine a visual like a Godfather type of visual? You know what I mean? Like you know how uh, ladies that set it off did that Godfather scene on the movie? Like what they had? And the, they were talking about it. No, 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 no. Like, uh, I can't imagine like a, like a Godfather thing visual. But yeah, I would have put... I, it It sucks that they weren't able to clear the sample because I would have put this song and the remix on the Masterpiece Theater album and taken off two songs. But I I, I love... It's a vibe. I love you, love you. The, the
2: beat is so... That sounded of the time to me. Like, in the best way. Like, on the remix, uh-huh. by the way. Like, the remix... The production on the remix sounds so much like what would have been played on the radio at the time, and that makes me frustrated.
1: And y'all knew what was hot at the time, you just decided not to do it.
2: Okay. And who, right? And y'all could, I mean, I guess, I guess the sample is kind of hard to clear. That's like the Godfather. You know what? I
0: would, I would have post, I would have postponed that release date to get this sample cleared because "I Love You More" should have been a lead single. Ooh. I would have made I would have made this a lead single before I made "Riddle" a lead single.
1: Did you guys see that they performed this live a few months ago? Really? Yes. There is a. They were at one of those casinos in the middle of nowhere. Oh my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> and live at the, at the Mor-
0: Morongo Casino and Resort and Spa. Oh wow! Well, I, I would yeah, send me that. I would love to watch that because this song is about. Like, I would have. I would have took. Uh, what is this song? I would have took "Beat of Love" and Latin soul off the album and put this. Song. What's
1: the world without a beat? Of love? I like
0: that song. <laughs> <laughs> or, or number one. Or number one man. That song is boring. It's boring. But yeah, let us know what you guys think of this rare track. Is where do you guys think that this should have fallen on the on the album? Like, should it have been on Masterpiece Theater? Let us know because I, I love the song actually. Well, friends, that is
2: the end of our episode. We can call it a wrap for this episode, folks. It was a deep dive into an album we've been talking about on here for a long, long time. Finally got to talk about. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, but... Um, Please make sure that you um, continue to follow Part of Us uh, on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Invoke Craze and on Twitter at Part of Us Fancast. And as a reminder, send us an email or you can even record a voice message. We want to hear y'all's voices. Send us an email at partofusevf at gmail.com and let us know uh, what you think about the show or if you have questions that you want to have featured under our fan letters. And also, just as a reminder, if you have any kind of you know uh, footage or anything that you want us to host on the um, InvoCraze YouTube channel, you can also email us there to uh, send along your goodies and we will make sure we credit you accordingly. And last but not least, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating and a review. And even if you're not, just leave us a rating and a review. Uh, as long as you got an Apple ID, honey, then um, you can help us get seen by more folks and get... Uh, increased rating so until next time we'll see y'all on the other side see you
0: guys later
2: bye
1: we're more than just a podcast we're a fan community you can keep up to date on in vogue and chat with other fans by visiting in vogue craze on facebook you can also follow us on youtube and instagram at invoke craze and twitter at part of us fancast part of us and invoke fancast is not endorsed by invoke e1 music or invoke records and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only invoke and its names images and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective copyright holders
0: Chill. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: go, you wanna go first? I'll go first.